Welcome to Brand Lover, honest, real, and lively conversations for flourishing entrepreneurs and budding business owners on a mission to cultivate a heartfelt brand that connects with their purpose-driven mission. My hope is that you walk away feeling inspired and refreshed with a weekly takeaway in your back pocket that you can apply to your life or business. A huge warm welcome to Amelia Cardillo from Cardillo Law. She is a commercial lawyer helping small businesses thrive by offering straightforward help without the legal jargon. I have worked with Amelia many times. She's presented as a guest expert inside my brand membership, the Branding Hub, and I love the way that she's paving her own refreshing way forward in a highly stereotyped industry. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I feel like I've got a little bit of like, I know because you are like a branding guru, I'm I'm a little bit nervous, but Um, I'm I'm sure I'll be fine. No, I think we go together like yin and yang. It's okay. (laughs) We'll be fine. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, I feel like my story is like the least interesting like story ever. I wanted to be a lawyer from just a really young age and I don't know why um, <laughs> my family background, like my parents are teachers. They went to uni kind of as mature age students. Ah. Um, my grandparents on both sides of the family immigrated to Australia after the war. So um, yeah, I, it's not like I had a family line- lineage of lawyers or my parents were kind of pushing it. It was just something I, I think I was really good at arguing as a kid. And I was like, yeah. oh, this seems like kind of fun. And a funny story, my mom's a little bit of a hoarder. And she'd kept this document that I did in year seven. It was meant to be like an autobiography of what what we want to do when we grow up. And as young as 12, I had written that I wanted to be a lawyer and help people. So I think that that helping people has something that really guided me through that. That's really what I do is help people. And so after, yeah, after school, I went on to study law. I didn't like the academic side that much, to be honest. So I was really looking forward to getting out into the world oh, and people. I can't even. Yeah. I can't even. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, like I, I think when I left uni as well, I was like, oh, I'm going to be this corporate lawyer and climb the corporate ladder. And I actually was really excited to go down that path. Mm. And then once I got into the corporate world, I started to get these little niggles that like, oh, maybe this isn't for me, that it's very competitive. And there were a lot of people that kind of lost sight of what we were doing as lawyers, which is yeah. helping people understand a really scary area of their life. Yeah. Um, whether it is, you know, I've done lots of different areas of law too, which is really good. I've, so I've done a bit of criminal law, um, wills and estates, personal injury. So I had really broad experience and across all of the different areas, I always just felt that there was a little bit of a gap between the lawyer and the client. Mm. So I think as my corporate journey kind of progressed and then I had kids in between, you know, in in those years as well, Mm. I just could see that it wasn't a sustainable career for me, but I still at the end of the day loved practicing law and loved helping people. So I think ultimately going out on my own was my only option to kind of tick all the boxes that I wanted to tick in my life and career. And um, yeah, I made the jump. It's almost, this is kind of my fifth year of business now. So I have not looked back. I mean, there's been moments of, have I done the right thing? Yeah. (laughs) I think we all have, right? Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah. But ultimately it's been, you know, my kids are in year one and year three now. And the fact that I've got that flexibility, I'm, you know, I'm doing canteen duty tomorrow and, (laughs) you know, in between client calls and it's just kind of the best mix of what I like to do and having a life outside of work and that personality as well. So. Yes. Oh, I just love that. I just, I, I feel like we are just living in this incredible age, like for women, um, mums particularly, like the freedom and flexibility that we are able to create in our life. Yeah. Something that women have never had before. Absolutely. And I, and I noticed a huge, it. I know this is a huge topic in itself, but yeah. I did notice a big shift once I went back to work after having kids in a law firm mm. and back mm. part-time and, you know, you be kind of, you kind of become invisible. It's like, you're not committed anymore. You're not driven. You're not career focused, which was the total opposite. I actually found, I know a lot of mothers probably relate to this, that having kids gives you a different sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. A lot of women start their business after having kids, you know, it's, yeah. so it was just this really weird disconnect that I felt even more motivated than ever yeah. after having my kids, but the workforce was just kind of ignoring that, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. So yeah. we've just got such amazing opportunities mm. to create, you know, a better balance for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I get that. I get what you're saying there. Like I had, um, as many people know, I had a, um, like a freelance graphic design business that I was working from home before I had my kids. Um, that was purposeful, maybe, I don't know, maybe just cause I'm lazy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just really like it. Smart. You were smarter than all of us. You did earlier. <laughs> I was like, I started to do some work on the side and I was like, Oh, hang on a second. This could actually be a thing. And then, yeah. and but I never, I was never that driven. Like I didn't proactively market the business. Like I didn't, I, you know, I thought I thought I was, but you know, in comparison to after I had all my babies, and yeah. then it was like this switched flick. This something was flicked on in me, and I was like, "Right, <laughs> yeah, this is gonna it's amazing, like, isn't it? It's just crazy. Something yeah. just, I don't know, something happens. So I can totally relate to that. And it's just so sad that you were overlooked. Like how frustrating um, to sort of have that and have to experience that when you're feeling yeah. so. I think it's open. you know it's still a very traditional industry that we work mm. in as well, and you know, the the concept of nine to five and long hours is still very much the norm. Mm. And I don't know, I, I feel like I just can, could see that you can do your work more efficiently. Yeah. You don't need spending all these hours at work. Yes. And as a parent, you want to be using your time the most efficiently so you can get home and spend time mm. with your family. That's mm. the whole point of having a family. So, yeah, um, yeah I think that was definitely a really big changing point for me to kind of say it's it's going to be a really hard road if I still wanted to go down the partner track and progress that way whereas I felt that if I did make the leap out on my mm. own mm. I would get that better sense of flexibility and spending time with the kids but also helping people in a way that I wanted to do it as well yeah I love that so how did you like that's a pretty big shift going from this culture where it's expected that you're working long hours um and you know you're out working outside of the home to to working from home and probably you know and working 
your own hours. <laughs> How yeah. do you take off that, the like the nine to five corporate mindset? Like I feel like that sort of becomes, it's almost um, become kind of like part of our DNA, like it's just part yeah. of our culture that we carry this thing that we, you know, if it's a weekday, oh, we have to be working. Um, yes. how do, yeah. How do you cope with that? Yeah, I think it was a huge change, a challenge at the start and a change because I, so I started my business probably about a year and a bit before COVID. Mm. So I'd already made the decision that I wanted to keep it very low cost and very easy for myself. So I didn't have a an office space. So I was mm. working from home from day one. Mm. And when I told my lawyer friends that they almost like, you know, clutching the pearls, like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like a lawyer working from home. Yeah. <laughs> it was just unheard of. And, and I just thought, well, this just makes sense. I have a laptop yeah. you know, doing, I was working with clients like yourself all over Australia. Yeah. So why do I need to be paying rent in a space that I'm more comfortable in my own home and it was just even that concept was really strange to people yeah and I think that was a big help for me to kind of go I can set the hours you know then I think the different conversation is setting some boundaries when you're at home as well because I feel like you can just continue working or yeah to block it out but especially if you're passionate about what you're doing yeah. And, yeah, and that's the thing, like in the beginning, it was so helpful working from home because, you know, could drop the kids off to school or daycare, come back home, work. And then even in the evenings, if I did want to do a couple of things, mm. you know, I've got everything there. I was properly set up. Um, so when, you know, we did have to all work from home, I was already properly set up. I wasn't scrambling to get into technology or have yeah. the proper home office. It was already there so thankfully in a way that helped a lot of people become more comfortable but I never had an issue with clients not accepting me Mm. working from home surprisingly I was I was a little bit nervous I thought oh are they really gonna take me seriously if I just say look I just work from home but clients never had an issue and I actually think they preferred it because Mm. of the flexibility for themselves so not only you know do I work with people that aren't in the same state as me but even if they are local they were happy to do the video conferencing because it meant that they didn't have to take a huge chunk out of their day to mm-hmm. drive into the city, find a car park, wait in a lawyer's office. So I think, um, you know, I slowly kind of got the proof that, okay, this works for people. Yeah. It's something that people want. Yeah. Um, and that helped me to kind of go, okay, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Working like, from home is a, is a possibility. Yeah. And it's almost like a, a point of difference for you like it's a benefit yeah absolutely yeah yeah because I think a lot of you know my industry has a lot of stereotypes you know a lot of negative stereotypes yeah and for me even you know a stereotype of lawyers being late to meetings and having to sit in a waiting room was something that I wanted to not have because I'm a very punctual person yeah I hate waiting myself so I didn't want to make clients wait for meetings yeah and technology just helps that so much as well um so yeah I think it's it's also less intimidating for people because I think that if someone who's never used a lawyer before can just jump on a video call it's I I just found that that was even a more approachable way of working with people because they didn't have to go in 
I guess it's like going to a doctor for the first time. If you think there's something wrong, you, you know, it's quite intimidating sitting in that yeah. sterile yeah. waiting room, yeah, knowing what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I think that was another way of kind of breaking down the typical stereotype barriers mm. around what a lawyer is. Yeah. And something that I love about your process um, is that you you do translate your documents, like you translate them into normal language. I remember receiving my first, um, can't remember what it was, something, contract, something from you that I had asked you to help me with. And and my little eyeballs just went like, ping, like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what this even means. But I love that you take the time, you actually schedule that time and have the meeting um, to help your clients understand what it is that you've done for them and why, so that they can then have that, like empower them with that knowledge. Um, is that something that you've always done or is that something that you sort of, um, you know, started implementing by seeing a need for it? Yeah, I think it's something that, I was really conscious of when I started because of my experiences in corporate practice. I just felt like there was this disconnect of lawyers just going, here's, here's the document or here's the thing. And then the client goes off and, and often they were sitting there going, Oh, I, I just sat in so many meetings where I could just see that the client didn't understand and the partner wasn't explaining it properly. Mm. And I thought, what's the point of our job if we're not helping people yeah. understand this when you know, I almost say to most of my clients in most of the meetings, I'm like, I want to teach you everything I know in 30 minutes or an hour about this topic, you know, and that's not to say that they're going to obviously then understand that forever, but it gives them, like you said, that sense of empowerment to go, okay, I actually get this. Mm. I can see how it works in my business Mm. Um, rather than just leaving people even more confused by the process. And I think that you know, I I never wanted to be a gatekeeper of legal Mm. knowledge. I think that, you know, that was another thing that I wanted to really help people understand that, you know, it seems scary and intimidating sometimes, but there's a lot that can actually help your business on a day-to-day basis if you understand some basic concepts. And I actually think the best thing is when clients come back to me and go, oh, I remembered that thing that you told me and I told this client and it all worked out. And and it just gives them that sense of, you know, understanding their business a bit better as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm a perfect example. Like some, you know, I have a pretty hefty design agreement that I send through to my branding clients. Um, and I remember you explaining some parts of it to me and like some, you know, clients come like, the, thankfully they read it and they come back <laughs> yeah. and ask, oh, does this mean this? Or does this, like, what does this actually mean for me? Like, I'm a bit concerned. And then I just tell them yeah. how you told me and it's all fine and it's all good. So it's yeah. very, like, it's well, it's actually to protect you and to protect me. So, and it's, yeah. All, yeah so it's, uh, I just, yeah, I, I want to start to hero that because I, I just, I find that really inspiring. And I, like I always preach about how important it is to really know your customer and serve them so well um, that they keep coming back and, well, I keep coming back. So <laughs> thank, <laughs> you. I, right. thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. It, like I said, it's one of the things that I'm most conscious of. And yeah, you know, I don't want people, there's so many things to know in business and, mm. you know, just learning your own skills that if I can mm-hmm. help people in just one part of that, then yeah, I'm super happy and proud. So yeah, that's amazing. Yay, well done. <laughs> um, so um. I would just like to head into some of the legal stuff now. Um, 
And starting with just sort of, I guess, shining some light on some terms that are used a lot um, so that small business owners have an understanding of them and yeah. how they can use them. Um, first of all, what's the difference between copyright and trademark? Because I feel like there's a little bit of confusion around that. Um, yeah. From as For a sure. designer, like yeah. that's something I encounter, like people just don't un- quite understand. Um, so, yeah. For- yeah, and it's <laughs> such a great topic as well because, you know, everything's very international. When you're dealing mm-hmm. with social media, we are dealing, you know, with people all yeah. over the world. But we have to really just look at, you know, where you are and the laws that kind of apply here. So, you know, in Australia we have um, copyright is just protected without a registration process. So copyright is just if you create something original, if it's recorded in writing, if it's a drawing, a photo, painting, um, sounds can be copyrighted. I think scent, scent, maybe that's trademarks, but um, they... Anything you create that's original, um, ideas and concepts can't be copyrighted though. So mm-hmm. I guess that's a good distinction. And I guess the most classic example is if you have an idea for a book or you have an idea for a movie and you haven't created the characters and written down a storyline, that can't be copyrighted. Mm-hmm. So that's not subject to copyright. So you actually have to put it down and record it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And because there's not a registration process, it sometimes people feel a little bit like, oh, well, it's hard to enforce that. And I think there's a lot of myths going around about how much you need to change. You know, if you change 10% of someone's work, then you can get away with it. That's just not true. And that's the worst thing that I hear is when people think, oh, if I just change a little bit, I can just mm-hmm. repost this. That just does not work. <laughs> that's yeah. not a thing. So copyright, you know, basically if you do see someone using your copyright, you then have to contact them and say, look, hey, I produced this in whatever date and then ask them to remove it, basically. I think it it does become so blurred with social media. Some people think that, um, you know, there's you can take inspiration from someone, but if if the test in Australia is really substantially similar. So mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, I've worked with clients where it's a direct copy and the people that are doing the copying sometimes do it very I guess, naively, they Mm -hmm. don't think that it's wrong. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, lack of education around it. Mm. Sometimes they do know they're doing the wrong thing and they think they'll just get away with it. So it doesn't have to be a direct copy. It just has to be substantially the same, that if someone looked at it, looked at the two pieces of content or whatever it is, that they would think, it's the same person Mm -hmm. had produced it or that it comes from the same source. So, you know, we've, we've got a different system in America where they allow you to kind of change things and adapt a bit more freely. But in Australia, we've got, yeah, it's a much, in a way, it's a better system for content creators because it gives you much better protection of your copyright. Mm. And then trademark is a registration system. So you have to apply for your trademark and then you've got exclusive use of that. So most commonly we think about logos and um, trading names or slogans that you would register for a Mm -hmm. trademark because it then gives you really great brand protections that if anyone tries to use that logo or those specific words in that industry, they're prevented from doing that. 
and it's much easier then to show them because you just show them your trademark registration and, and um, you know, they have to remove it. So again, with trademarks, you can't just trademark anything. It has to be unique and original. You can't be descriptive. So a lot of businesses, you can't just be the local bakery, you mm-hmm. know, the suburb name bakery. That's just describing what you do. So I think that's where a lot of people get a bit stuck when they're creating a brand. They don't kind of think of the brand future mm. um, and whether trademarking is even possible. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's a little crash course on the, the differences. Yeah. And just on that, um, business name registration, does that pr- yes. protect you at all from anybody else using the same business No. Name? So this is where your first layer, so at... As a requirement, if you're not going to trade under your personal name, so if my business was Amelia Cardillo Lawyer, I don't have to register that as a business name. But because I operate as Cardillo Law, I've registered that as a business name. So if you're not using your own personal name, you actually are meant to have a business name. Mm -hmm. And with the registration process, initially it used to be each state had its own um, Mm -hmm. database so yes. you're registering your state. Now oh, yeah. it's Australia-wide, yes, yeah. which means that the registration process kind of got a bit muddled up. They mm. try not to allow registration of really similar business names, but there are ways that people get around it. Mm. It doesn't give you exclusive use anyway. Trademarking does. If you do have a business name that you've been using for a long time doesn't mean that you can't stop competitors or people kind of taking ownership of that. If you've got an established business, you know, you can show that other people are misleading potential customers with their business name. So there is a layer of protection there. It's just a bit more of a battle to show that. Yeah. Um, Whereas if you have got a distinctive and unique business name, trademarking is a great way to do that because then it just um, makes it a lot easier to show that you've got that exclusive use okay that makes sense thank you for sharing that's good (laughs) um so another I just want to share like a familiar story that I hear a lot um in my industry in my profession um you've probably heard it too it's very familiar um Rach somebody has stolen my logo and it's so common um, so how can we prevent our brand assets from being stolen um, in this, like it's when it's so easy to like it, everything's digital. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a couple of probably layers to it. If you mm-hmm. have, if a business owner has just decided to kind of create their own logo, so a DIY and they've used, I don't know, sources that they found on the internet they might not actually be using original um, content for their logo. They might've pulled some graphics from different places. So in that case, you know, they aren't creating, unless it's a very distinctive logo that they've managed to put together, you're not really creating something that's original and different. If you're working with a brand designer, I guess you need to then work out, well, are they using similar design features or design elements across their clients as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, 
because they might not be exclusively giving you all of the design elements. There might be a little mishmash, you know, they might have some certain features they bring into all of their clients. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to which business was established first that can yeah. show that the other business is, you know, misleading the public because we have this kind of concept that, yeah, if you're if you're using a logo that's so similar to another business and you're in a similar industry, you're misleading and the, the legal phrase is misleading and deceiving mm-hmm. those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it would be about bringing that to the attention of the other business and saying, look, we've been operating, even if it's a year or more, mm. you know, it doesn't mean you have to be in business for 10 years yeah. to have a claim to the logo or the, the business name. Yeah. Um, but it's about showing that you've, you've used it first, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I hope that helps. And a little. Yeah. Well, it does. But also just digging a little deeper in that, in the case that somebody may have used a Canva logo or like a, you know, you can purchase logo designs off Etsy that are templates that are customized, um, but they are basically like replicated. Um, like, is that okay? Yeah, I think it's just about you just have to know what you're buying. Mm. I think a lot of people probably go into it thinking, oh, I'm buying a customised logo, but that designer on Etsy is probably just sending out the same logo with your whatever you say your colours are mm. or maybe slight variations. Um, so I think that's the trap that people fall into with the DIY option. Mm. Is you are creating a very generic brand in that sense, mm. um, it's not going to be unique to your business and there will be some overlap because yeah. it, it's, you know, I'm sure you see it all the time. It's very common to have these very templated logo designs just kind of pushed out on the internet. And, you know, a lot of people then spend a lot of money later going, oh, actually, I really need to rehaul everything because yeah. I'm not standing out in my industry. I look like, you know, I've just jumped on the latest trend with that logo yeah. and everyone's got the same one except yeah. mine's just a slightly different shade <laughs> yeah yeah so from a legal point of view it's okay but for from a brand point of view um it's that whole thing of paying twice isn't it like you sort of yep. you know you save a little bit of money at the start but then you end up having to pay twice um, when you realize that you need to invest in something that is unique um so yeah, yeah. I totally agree um, yep. so finally, my last question for you is for the, let's say, oh, we have to define. So somebody who is in those sort of, I guess, first few years, they're establishing their brand. Um, there's a lot to think about. You were talking before about how, you know, as a small business owner, there's so many things to learn even like not including the thing that you are offering, like in your own business, like it's like the marketing and then there's the admin and there's the bookkeeping and the emails and everything. Um, So for that person, what's your best, most clear piece of advice for them to protect their brand for longevity wise? Yeah. Well, let me, let me think about this so I can be um, precise. Put you on the spot. I think... No, I think having, I think as much as people don't want to think long-term with their business, I think it's a good idea to start planning from the start. So 
or or have that in your head that okay this is just a temporary business name or a temporary logo because you I think having a brand strategy which I know you something is something you can speak to but a brand protection strategy yeah you know I understand that people want to establish that they've got a viable service or a viable product you don't want to be throwing money at trademark registration if you don't even know you're going to like the business so I think having that in mind but coming to a decision early on that you do want to invest a bit of time maybe it is a bit of money that you spend with a brand designer Mm -hmm. to have something that you can just you know two years in if you think this is your killer idea you can jump onto that trademark straight away yeah a lot of people get to that point and it's usually around the one to two year mark and then they go actually this brand name you know there's someone very similar I just did this really cheap logo it's not unique and they have to start again so Mm -hmm. it's yeah I think it's thinking about how longer a little bit longer term maybe even five years in what are you looking to do Mm. with the business yeah Um, And you don't have to start that brand protection straight away with the trademark, but kind of having it in the back of your mind when you are setting things up, because I know it can be exciting, the setup stage, Mm. but doing a bit of research, checking out the business name register. So it's just through ASIC, you can search business names, doing doing a bit of due diligence, we call it in the legal industry, checking out other competitors in your industry what do their logos look like? Trying to steer clear of anything that's too similar because, you know, a year or two years down the path, you're going to have to really do a bit of an overhaul if you are going to be in business for a longer time. Yeah. So I don't know how concise and clear that no, was, right? but hopefully. No, no it's wise. It's, it, that is a wise, wise piece of advice and I, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared today. It's been amazing. Okay. But I have some really fun rapid fire questions for you okay. <laughs> to wrap up. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say a word and just the first thing that comes to your mind. What's your favorite okay. app? App? Yeah. Instagram. Oh, that was very, very yeah. certain. Yeah, um, yeah. Instagram, love it. <laughs> favorite time of day? Oh, morning. So before the kids are awake. <laughs> Which is probably about six o'clock, six thirty. Nice, I love yeah. it. Um, yeah. I don't love it actually. I'm <laughs> You're a night out. Yeah, I'm a morning person. <laughs> I love the mornings. Don't get me wrong. I, when I am up early, it's, I love it. Yeah, but something about my like my rhythms. I don't know. I've I've always loved to sleep in. Anyway, it's not about me. It's about you. <laughs> Favorite type of exercise? Oh, I love walking. Yeah, I'm. You know, I've been really into the high intensity stuff in my twenties. And now I'm just, I love a good walk through nature. It does trees, bush, um, sand, anything around nature, just walking is amazing. <laughs> Very grounding. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a favorite habit or ritual? Oh, I really like to journal. And I know when people say that, I always think, oh, what does that even mean? And it yeah. took me a while to build that habit, but I think just setting aside some time to just clear my head a little with journaling has been really helpful. And I find the more consistent I am with it, the more benefit I see with it as well. That might be another podcast episode coming right up. Yeah. I don't really know an awful lot about regular journaling. I'd love to explore that. Anyway, um, favorite way to relax? 
Oh, I think going to the beach, being near the ocean is relaxing for me, which I'm lucky in Newcastle. We've got lots of amazing beaches. (laughs) So beautiful there. Um, And finally, your favourite thing about your business? The fact that I can do canteen duty on a Friday and exchange a contract on a Monday morning is, yeah, is the the best thing. It's the flexibility to to be a mom, to be, yeah, a business owner altogether. It's a big mishmash, isn't it? Yep. (laughs) So good. Amelia, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Um, Finally, 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 where can we find you? Where can the ladies find you? Yes, well, Instagram is a great place to start. (laughs) I'm just at Cardillo Law. Um, Yeah, that's probably the best way. Or my website is cardillolaw.com.au. But yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rach. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this week's episode of Brand Lover, take a screenshot of wherever you're listening and share your biggest takeaway on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to tag me. I'd love to give you a shout out and thank you personally. Also feel free to subscribe and leave a review to help the Brand Lover podcast reach more hard-aligned entrepreneurs just like yourself. Thanks again and I'll see you next week.